Ah, uh, it is fun when you want to celebrate. And uh, I hear a song like that in the radio. I'm like, ah, our praise team band can play that no problem whatsoever. Uh, so say goodbye to the best praise team anywhere. That's right. <laughs> it kills me how Gordon can like mimic any singer. It's like he, he channels people through him or something. That was awesome, guys. That was really, really good. Hey, we're in a we're in a, a series. We've been in a series called Great Expectations over the past few weeks. And last a couple of weeks ago, when we first started this series. We, we talked about um, having great expectations of God. This is one of those series. If you're here for the first time, you come to church for the first time. This is one you want to come back to. OK, we're going to be doing it for the next four weeks or so. This is one of those series that is so practical um, and so meaningful when it comes to, you know, we think about life and having expectations of life and how those expectations let us down sometimes. And last week, and we have the, the, the CDs out there, too. If you missed the first couple of weeks, you can you can get them out at Wise Words here. But last week we talked about the dangers of unrealistic expectations. We all have expectations, right? There's no one in this room that doesn't have expectations. Even from childhood, we have expectations. I walked into a a Starbucks about two weeks ago and I ordered a a, a tall, hot chocolate. They wanted a tall, hot chocolate. So we got a tall, hot chocolate. And when I got the when she gave it to me, when they gave it to me, I kind of looked at it. They called my name and I said, is is that is that my order? And they said, looked at the cup and they said, yeah, that's a tall, hot chocolate. It was just it was so small. It was a little bitty thing. I had these expectations that I was going to share this hot chocolate. OK, but I couldn't share the hot chocolate chocolate and my expectations were completely dashed. OK, you know, this is tough. Life is difficult and when you don't get what you want. When you expect it becomes more challenging. Before I move on, I have to just I know it's Mother's Day, but I have to talk to the guys here for just a second. What is up with these coffee places? Okay, you go in there and before I even get into the guys here, you go in there and sometimes the people walking behind the counter. I want to just say, hey, man, the 60s call and they want their clothes back. It's like, come on, get up with the times and you get online. You're a guy. You get online in one of these places and you're standing online and there's guys in like high powered suits, you know, high powered business guys, people who look like they just rolled out of bed, which is totally fine. People who come looking like they're coming off the assembly line and they're all these all these men standing online and they're saying things like, uh, I'd like a skinny iced hazelnut mochiata, you know, or or like I'd like a I'd like a skinny cinnamon dolce latte, and I'm in line going, what, what, what is what is that? Whatever happened to walking online and just saying I like a big black cup of Joe? You know what I mean? Just give me give me some coffee. I sometimes feel like I just want to walk in there and say, put some coffee grounds in a cup. I'll just eat it like that. You know what I'm saying? Show you what's going on. And you're just like what? 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 When I have to order like Starbucks or one of these other places. I say my wife would like a, skin, <laughs> a, a skinny iced, uh, you know, dolce mochiata, hazelnut, cinnamon with drizzle on top, whatever it is. I'm not I make sure, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm just like, give me a cup of coffee. Just give me a cup of coffee. What happened to the days when you were able to just 
ask for a simple cup of coffee. I, 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 when I was growing up, I remember going into... Um, into a, like a diner, for example. And you get these guys. You mean, you'll go back with me now. You get these guys are sitting at the diner. Remember those diners with the round seats and everything? They go in, these guys had muddy boots on. You know what I'm talking about? You know, muddy boots. They had a hat that looked like the drag behind their, their truck for the last year and a half. You know, it said something on like Mac or something. The guy's name was Mac. And they sat there and they drank their coffee. And someone named Flo, you know what I'm saying, would come over. Right. And they'd pour the coffee. It was like maple syrup coming out of the coffee thing. And the guys sat there and they drank their coffee of molasses and they were finished. They'd scoop it out. their They they were thankful because you have to tell these stories. You always have to say you're thankful over 50 years old. You know, I walked to school with no shoes on, with no shirt in the freezing cold seven days a week. And we were what? We were thankful. Exactly. So, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of get into this, but it's difficult for me because. We should have names when a, when, I, when, a, when a guy walks into a coffee place, they should have names, new names for coffee. Like, I would like, number one, the Mammoth. Mammoth's a good name. The Mammoth. Mind your own darn business what I'm drinking. And my friend here would like a double, like Black Panther. Now, Black Panther's a name for a cup of coffee. Give me a Black Panther, right? Even a donut place. Even the donut place has donuts called Tiger Claws. I want a dozen tiger claws. And seriously, seriously, what's up with that little ring thing they put on there on your coffee cup? Are we going to burn our delicate fingers, gentlemen, with these little ring things on there? I mean, it's what, what, where, why do you need a sleeve? Why, really, why do you need a sleeve on your, on your cup of coffee? Just give me my cup of coffee. I don't need a sleeve. I am a pastor, therefore I do research for my sermons. So I researched these sleeves. Made it even worse. These are also known as coffee clutches, coffee cozies, okay, hot cup jackets, paper zarfs, or card zarfs. Need I say more? I am not holding a coffee cozy in my hand. I'm thinking more like uh, like a coffee choker, a coffee python, or a death grip or ring or something around there. Because you walk up there and you just imagine you get your coffee, you stand online. I like a Moki Yachty, whatever, blah, blah, whatever. And they hand it to you and, I, and with, with your coffee cozy. I'm, I'm half expecting to ask, would you like a Snuggie with that? Can I give you a Snuggie? Can, when you sit down to have your coffee, can I put a nice warm blanket over your legs in front of I mean, what, what, what's going on? One of the guys told me yesterday that someone orders, and which is totally fine if you're, if you're a woman, it's totally fine, but a, a skinny... A skinny girl latte with two pumps of sugar-free vanilla and extra drizzle. If you're a guy and you order that, as you turn in your 10 bucks, turn in your man card as well, okay? Just hand it over. Hand over your, your man card. I'm sorry. But seriously, I got to admit, the drizzle is really, got extra drizzle on this, really good stuff. <laughs> but say it under your breath. One of the guys told me yesterday, he said, I say it, but I say it really low under my breath. I have a little bit extra drizzle on there, you know, that whatever is caramel, the caramel drizzle. Oh, so we're not here to talk about men this morning, only to pick on them for Mother's Day, just to make the, the women laugh a little bit. And I also have another video I'd like to show you to make maybe laugh a little bit more. Are you guys sure you've got this? Yeah. Twins are plugged in. Baby's asleep. How hard can this get? We're men. Besides, I bumped into Chuck Norris at a Pizza Hut once. <laughs> I think his powers rubbed off on me. Well, maybe they have goggles we don't know about. It's as if God 
gave moms a special way of looking at things, you know? Okay, who taught you servanthood? Who modeled grace? Who gave you a taste of what God's love could look like? My mom, Mr. T, and my mom. Anyway, I I just think God gave moms a special way of looking at things. Hey, honey. Hey, how's it going at home? It's all good. Guess you could say I'm starting to catch a glimpse of what your world looks like. Oh, really? Yeah. Mama. Hold on, your daughter wants to say something to you. She says she misses you. And she realizes how important you are in life. And she doesn't know how you do it. And she knows that she can't make it without you. She said all that, huh? I don't know if she said it. But it's what I wanted to say. And I should have said it a lot sooner. I thank God for you. The twins. Um, it, it was nothing. We, we have to go, okay? Um, lo- love you, Mommy. talk about the honor due to moms. One of the moms that really stands out in the Bible is Hannah. It's Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses 10 and 11. It says, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Hannah means grace. It means grace. And she truly shows us the grace of motherhood. Hannah, Hannah shows each one of us what it means to have grace, and especially through motherhood. So through basically her prayer and her faith, Hannah becomes a mother. She prayed to the Lord. She had faith in God. And through that faith and through that prayer, she becomes a mother. And she not only becomes a mother, she becomes a mother of one of the greatest men who ever lived. And that is Samuel. You've got to read about the life of Samuel. You should do a study on the life of Samuel. And, and Hannah was the mother of Samuel. As you read the account of Samuel, you get a glimpse of a godly mother. You get to look inside of a godly mother. As the book opens, the book of 1 Samuel, it opens. It's in the period of the judges. Israel doesn't have a king at this point. And they're going through all kinds of turmoil. They're going through confusion. And the Philistines are are waiting in the wings to take advantage of all the turmoil that's going on in, 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 with Israel. And so it's a time where you had um, national immorality. There was political discord. There was political distress. And their faith 
their faith had grown cold. The people of Israel, their faith had grown. It was dead. It was cold. They were in need of someone to lead, to step up and lead the nation. The priesthood was corrupt. There was moral scandals everywhere. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? But there was there was corruption. There was moral scandals. All this was going on in the nation. And worst of all, in first Samuel, chapter three, verse one, it says this. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Even God had little to say. There was so much going on around them and and there were no vision. God wasn't speaking to the people like he had done in the past. The nation was in desperation. They were spiritually dead. They needed someone to wake them up from their slumber. And that someone was Samuel. You know, I'll tell you, as you think through what even our parents did, some of our parents did up here this morning, and as they dedicated their children to God, it's such a significant event when someone says, I give this child over to the Lord. That's what Hannah did in giving her son Samuel over to God. The nation needed a leader and God needed, needed a great leader and God needed a great mother to shape that great leader. And God chose Hannah. So you can say that Samuel, one of the greatest men who ever walked the planet, was not only a product of God's handiwork, but also was the product of a godly mom. Of a godly mom, someone who invested in his life. Think about the role that a mother plays in nurturing and developing a child. I mean, there's nothing like it. Fathers have a different responsibility, but, you know, moms do as well. And there's nothing like a mom investing in the life of a child. I I remember um, how important moms are. I remember a story when Deb and I were in youth ministry. And after a while, we had a very large youth ministry and we had some very, very big guys in our youth ministry, basketball players and football players and all these guys. And one of the guys was probably about six, three. He was in his junior year, you know, really great guy, really great. We went, we took him like, I don't know, not mountain climbing, but on this long hike. And there was a, a rocky area. And as he was going across the rock, he slipped and he cut his knee right right here in his knee. And it was a really good gash. He didn't show any kind of pain whatsoever. He didn't break. He wasn't grimacing. He wasn't whining. He wasn't complaining. He just kind of, you know, took something, wrapped it around his leg and he kept on going. But we realized that we need to get him to the hospital because he needs stitches in his leg. And so the girls were asking him, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. It's all good. No problem. We were asking him, are you okay? Because that looks like a really big gash. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm totally fine. No problem. You know, straight face, no problem. We got to the hospital and Deb and I were the only ones there when he was on the phone, but he got on the phone with his mom and guess what he did? Yeah, he started crying. As soon as he heard his mother's voice, he started to cry. It was amazing because there's something about your mom. There's something about the nurturing and the love and the investment that they, 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 that they have in your life that when you hear your mother's voice, no matter how old they are. I mean, my, my mother texted me like a week and a half ago. She lives in Albany, New York. And I get a text that basically says, uh, are you are you taking cover from the tornado that's coming your way? I'm like, how does my mother know there's a tornado coming my way? Now, there wasn't a tornado coming my way, but she heard on the channel because she keeps track of the weather in my area. 
And she asked me sometimes in the morning, do you, do you, have, you have the right kind of clothes on? Because I see it's like 20 degrees in your area. I'm like, Mom, I'm 51 years old. I can dress myself. <laughs> but I am kind of cold, you know. <laughs> Mom will walk into the room. Moms will walk into the room and say, hey, put something on. You're like, why? Because you're cold. They know you're cold when you don't know you're cold. They got it all worked out. And this is the kind of mom that, 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 that Hannah was. She was a mom who protected. She was a mom who loved. She was a mom who was dedicated. I mean, you think about that role of a mother. There's a South African proverb that says this. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the nation and its destiny. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the nation and its destiny. That is so true. The influence of a mother on our lives is nothing short of miraculous. A good mom. A good mom. Nothing short of miraculous. As we continue, I just want to I want to I want to give you three reasons why I believe that Hannah is a great mother. Okay, three reasons. Number one, Hannah committed her child to God. She committed her child to God. It is a gift to be a parent, but it also comes with enormous responsibility. And it's amazing. It's an amazing honor to be able to shape and mold and nurture and direct a young life. Unfortunately, when your child is born, your child does not come with an owner's manual, right? And so as parents, we often make a lot of mistakes. We make mistakes in raising our children. Even if, even if it did come with an owner, if, if your child did come with an owner's manual or, a, you know, a, way, a guidebook or something like that, it probably wouldn't work because after your second, you have your second child, your second child is completely different than your first child, right? I mean, what parent here has more than one child? Real, you realize right away that your, child, your children are different. So you're, you're kind of going with the flow. You're trying to figure your child out. The Bible says raise up a child in the way he should go or she should go. That natural bent to a child. You have to figure that out. They don't come with operating manuals. We have to figure it out. So we apologize to all the children and students out here because we will often make mistakes. And we need someone more qualified than ourselves to help guide us in this process. And Hannah points us in that direction. Hannah tells us who can help guide us in raising our children. Hannah gives her child to God, her son to God, literally. We we did this morning, we, we dedicated our children to God. Hannah gave her child to God literally. She promised her future son to God as a priest. She said, if you give this child to me, he will serve you forever. And to demonstrate the depth of her commitment, she dedicated the boy with a vow. Okay, now there were different vows in Israel at this time. You can make different vows. A Levite, a Levite vow would basically, to be a Levite priest, you would do it for about 50 years. It, it's, you know, your commitment was to the age of 50. And you had a Nazarite vow. And that, that was also a limited period of time. Hannah's vow went beyond both of those. She made a vow that went beyond both. Her vow was to say, Lord, I give my child to you all the days of my life. This child is yours all the days of my life. And I believe that's what these parents were doing this morning. They were saying, I give my child to you all the days of my child's life. That's the dedication. That's what we were saying when we dedicate our children. I, I, Lord, take this child, if you would, not literally, but take my child in your arms. Help me to help nurture them to become the man or woman that you have created them to be. That's why they share a verse. They have hope. 
They have hope that their children will love God with all their hearts and become the man or woman that God designed them to be. And like Hannah, we need to trust God to guide us through every single area of our lives. And that includes how to raise our children, because that is a tough task. It is really, really hard, really hard. Jerry Bridges wrote this. God's guidance is almost always step by step. Don't we need that? He does not show us our life's plan all at once. Sometimes our anxiousness to know the will of God comes from a desire to peer over God's shoulders to see what his plan is. What we need to do is learn to trust him to guide us. We need to learn to trust God to guide us. Parents, this is, no, this is way more than we can handle. Way more than we can handle. And we need someone who knows more than we do who will guide us and direct us on how we should raise our children. And Hannah did that. Hannah did that. She committed her children to God, her child to God. Second thing, Hannah gave her child to serve God. She gave her child to serve God. Now, I know for many parents that's kind of scary. And people will say, why would, why would that be scary? Well, because... We have plans for our children. We have expectations for our children. And it's kind of scary because sometimes our children surprise us, right? And they're sometimes more spiritually mature than we are at a certain age. Our children sometimes surprise us with their courage and the things that they choose to do. I mean, you know, things our children choose to do sometimes things sometimes spiritually, God leads them to do something that is beyond our faith. You ever think about that? Your child has courage, spiritual courage, and your children sometimes choose to do things that are beyond your faith. And so we often experience some of the, 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 the fear that goes along with that. You see, because we have expectations of them and our children are now growing up and they're stepping out. They're stepping out for God. They have courage for God beyond our faith. And so we have expectations, though. We have to understand that we have plans and that runs headlong into what God may be doing in their lives. And they may be doing something contrary to the plans that we had for them. And you may think to yourself, well, you know, well, some people think, well, that's a high price to pay. You're talking about giving over your child to God. See, when you dedicate your child to God, what you're actually saying is, Lord God, do with as you will with my child. Help my child to become the person they were designed and created to be. And, and some people may say, well, that's, little, that's a heavy price to pay. And you're absolutely correct. It is a heavy price to pay. It's the price that God paid when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to serve this world. What we want our children to do is outshine us, to have stronger faith than we have. So we need to be prepared when we, when we say to our when we pray to God, God, take care of my children, find the right spouse for my children, find the right career for my children, find the right path for my children, help them, Lord, pick the right school, all those things. You have to then give that over to God because he may do things that were unexpected, that you did not expect. Your expectations from when they were a baby, you put them in this thing, you put them in that thing, and you had them take this test and do this thing, all leading up to your expectations or your plan. And all of a sudden, you want them to go left and they want to go right. Because God is calling them to something different than maybe you had planned. And that becomes extremely difficult for us. But see, here's, here's, here's the thing. A wise parent knows the value of a purpose-filled life. 
God is the one who purposed them. God is the one who molded them. God is the one who shaped them. God is the one who made them. God is the one who knows them, probably other than mom, better than anyone else. And a great parent, a good parent, a wise parent knows the value of a purpose-filled life. If you want your child to have a purpose-filled life, then we need to be able to give them over to God like Hannah did. And say, God, I trust you. I trust you with my child. And if your child doesn't want to go into uh, be a missionary or if your child doesn't want to be a pastor, most people uh, don't become missionaries or pastors. It's a calling like everything else in life. You're called to do that. That's something God specifically asks you to do. But if you're like Hannah, what we need to do is if our child has shows a propensity toward business or to being entrepreneurial in some way in that business realm, then then what we need to do is encourage them to be a marketplace minister from the very beginning. Teach them what it means to use the skills, the talents, the abilities that God has given them to build business. Teach them to use those skills to the glory of God. Show them how what they're doing at Procter and Gamble or GE or in their business or in their entrepreneurial endeavor. Show them how that is glorifying to God, how that glorifies God. We're giving them over to God and we're going to trust God, but we need to shape them and mold them and help them understand that anything they do, as long as they do it to the glory of God, is is going to be honoring to God. People say sometimes, what's God's will for my life? I'm not sure I know what God's will is for my life. God's will for your life is that you glorify him, him, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, that you conform to the image of Jesus Christ in whatever you do. In whatever you do. You glorify God. You conform to the image of Christ in whatever you do. So if, if, you're, if you have a child and they want to be a stay-at-home mom and you encourage that and you tell them that you be a minister in your home, minister to your husband or minister, minister to your family, minister to your children, let them see how important that role is. Just be a minister at work, be a minister at home. Hannah would encourage that whatever we did, do it for the rest of our lives to the glory of God. Whatever you choose to do, Hand that over to God. Dedicate that to God. Encourage your children to do whatever they do for the rest of their lives to the glory of God. That's what she teaches us. Because remember something, if it's not sinful, it's... Say it again. If it's not sinful, it's... So if your child wants to be a professional athlete, if they want to go into business, they want to go be a pastor, if they want to be a missionary, if they want to be a nurse, if they want to be a doctor, if they want to be a lawyer, Indian chief, it doesn't matter... If they do it to the glory of God, it is not secular. It is sacred. Exactly. Because they're doing it to the glory of God. That's what Hannah teaches us. That's what she teaches us. Number three, Hannah taught her child to worship God. I love this. I love this. Taught her child to worship God. When Samuel was weaned, the Bible says, Hannah fulfilled her vow to God. And she brings her son Samuel to Eli the priest. Okay, so she brings him to the priest. And here's how 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 26 through 28 describes the encounter. Please, my Lord, talking to Eli, she said, As sure as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you and prayed to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked him for, I give, him, I give the boy to the Lord For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then he bowed and worshiped the Lord there. I love that right there. I'm sitting. First time I read that, I was like, that's really cool. 
Then he bowed and worshiped the Lord there. Here's the amazing thing about this passage. Samuel worshiped the Lord. Samuel. It, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty, that's pretty incredible that a two or three year old child would know how to worship the Lord. Samuel worshiped the Lord. I love that. You know, as a pastor of this church, I love seeing children, whether they're sitting out here. I've seen so many kids over the years stand by that door when the band is playing. They're singing songs, dancing and clap. I mean, children, they're just about able to walk. They don't want to leave the church. And some of you can attest to this because they're your children. They don't want to leave. They want to hear all the music first. They don't care about my sermon. They want to hear the music, right? And they stand out, they clap and they sing and they and it's just I just I absolutely, absolutely love it. I love watching them do that. Children are sponges. They soak up everything around them as we worship and they listen. They watch us worship. They soak up everything around them. Hannah must have worshiped God and included Samuel in that worship. In that worship experience. I mean, included him because he worshiped God. He knew how to worship God at two or three years old. So Hannah must have been worshiping God and including Samuel in that worship. Do you want your child to be a child of prayer, to know how to pray, to have a desire to pray? Then include them in your prayer time. Don't force them to pray. Don't make them uncomfortable and make them pray out loud if they don't want to do that in front of other people. That would just kind of stress them out. Just include them in your prayer time. You want your child to love the Bible? You want them to really love the Bible? You don't need to... I never forced any of my children to read the Bible. The only thing I would do as I got a little older is we would read the Bible too and we'd have Bible stories, all those those kinds of things, but I never forced them to read the Bible. What I would say as I got older was I'd say, well, it's your relationship with Jesus Christ, so why would you not want to read the Bible? I don't get that. Why would you not want to read the Word of God if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's called dad guilt. You know, you have mom guilt, that's dad guilt. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No, you're just, you're just encouraging them. You're encouraging them on their faith walk. Do you want your child to love the Bible? Then you read the Bible and let them see you read the Bible. Read the Bible to them. Tell them what you read this, that today in the Word of God and how it impacted your life. And, you know, talk about it with enthusiasm and excitement. The Bible's not difficult, that difficult to read, okay? And some of the stories that you go through in here, even the, the shorter stories that go through, they're dynamic, they're incredible, they're amazing. They're amazing. You don't need a pastor to elaborate on what you're reading. You just read it and you're like, man, he did what to a lion? And what did he do here to this giant? And they're, they're amazing stories of faith and courage. Let your child be a part of your investment in the word of God. Let them see you reading the word of God and they'll be a part of that. Whether it's service or any other kind of spiritual discipline, your child will learn it if you model it. More is caught than taught. More is caught than taught. You want your child to love the word of God, to be a prayer warrior, to do it, to be a servant to those things. Then you model it and they'll learn it. They will own it. Moms, you have more of an impact on your children than you will ever know this side of heaven. I mean, you you guys have more impact on children and nurturing and developing and shaping a child's life. Don't let anyone ever tell you that there's someone more important than you that can influence your child. 
you are the greatest influence on your child. You are. Don't ever, don't ever relinquish your authority to anyone else who says, well, when they get a certain age, their friends are more influential. No, they're not. They may have to go along with their friends sometimes for peer pressure. They're not more influential than you are. Okay? They never will be. They aren't. They never will be. Don't ever relinquish your authority to invest in the life of your child. You have no idea this side of heaven how important you truly are to the life of your child. And I know that you live under some incredible, unrealistic expectations. You, you do. More than any other humans on the planet, moms live under uh, unrealistic expectations. But you handle it with such grace and such courage. No other humans, males, okay, especially, or children or teens could handle the kinds of verbal assaults sometimes you guys have to listen to, can handle some of the emotional outbursts that you guys have to handle. You, 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 it's amazing, you, and you handle it. You're not perfect. None of us are perfect. You lose your temper. You know what? It would be impossible for you not to. But you handle it overall. What you get thrown at you, you handle with such courage and such grace and such strength. Men are strong in different ways. I don't think emotionally men could take the beating that moms take. You know why moms take beatings more than anyone else? Because your children will come and say things to you and do things to you. You know why they'll do it? Because they know that you're always going to love them. They're not too sure about that. No, I'm just kidding. They, they know that. <laughs> Dad's got a big stick. No, they know, they know that you're always going to love them. That's why you take the kind of beating, if you will, that you take. And you do it with such incredible grace and such incredible strength. Real One last thing here for the students and the children. Um, please remember that your mom is a woman, a real human with flesh. And she has her own issues and her own problems and her own struggles and her own hurts and things that she's still trying to work through and where she's trying to grow. She's just a woman. One day you're going to be a woman, too. If you're a girl, you're going to be a woman, too. And you'll understand what I'm saying much more. But not your. But do me a favor. Do me a favor. I always say to the moms and dads, find your children doing something really good and then tell them about it. How about we switch that around this year, okay? Find your mom doing something really good, which will not be difficult. Driving you everywhere, cooking you dinner, doing all your stuff. I mean, all the things they do for us, the nurturing, the love, the compassion they have for us. Find your mom doing something good, okay? And tell them. Tell them. It's so easy to have negative things just flow out of our mouths when they're not living up to our... Remember this? When they're not living up to our unrealistic expectations. Find them doing something good, which is every five minutes, and tell them. And mom's last thing. Someday, someday, your children are going to grow up. And your children are going to be parents themselves. And when they become parents themselves, they're going to realize how amazing you were all along. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. And God, we pray for our moms this morning. We pray that you would anoint them, Lord, with continued courage and strength to raise their children in a way that honors you. Lord God, you know more than any of us how much expectation they have on them to be a certain way, to look a certain way, to act a certain way. It just... 
there's so much pressure they get, they're under. Lord God, we pray that you would just relieve some of that pressure, that they would lay it at your feet, Lord God, that you would take that pressure from them and let them know how much we truly love them, even when we don't say it all the time. How amazing they truly are, even when, when, they're, when kids don't turn out the way they should all the time, Lord God. You're, you're responsible for those children as well, Lord God. And we know that you will draw them closer to yourself as we continue to pray for them. But I pray that all the mom get will just leave, Lord God, and they just be able to know how awesome and how incredible and how loving and nurturing they are, far beyond what most people could ever, ever experience or even give. You've given them that, that gift. And I pray, dear God, that you would let them see how awesome and amazing and, and truly godly they are, Lord God, and how they impact our lives. I pray they would leave here this morning just singing that happy song on their voices and their, in their heads, Lord God, because I know they're going to anyway now that I put it in their heads. And I pray that you just help them enjoy the rest of this day. And for the rest of us, may we find them doing something good because they're doing something good all the time. And may we have the courage to let it come out of our mouths, not just roll around in our heads. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great, great day.